This is Taiwan Talk. This is Taiwan Talk on ICRT. You're listening to Taiwan Talk. I'm Alex Lewis. Many recent college graduates here in Taiwan are looking to start their own ventures rather than working in large corporations for little pay and less autonomy. Some millennials open up their own fashion boutiques. Others open restaurants or cafes, or follow other business opportunities. This week, we'll be focusing on technology startups, companies that have investments and their sights set on expanding internationally. I had a chance to speak with Holly Harrington, general manager of Taiwan Startup Stadium, about these startups. We'll cover what her organization does, the startup climate here in Taiwan, and some of the institutional challenges the startup ecosystem faces here. Here's our conversation. Hey, Holly, thanks for making the time for me. Let's get right into it. Uh, so, what brought you here to Taiwan, and how did you get involved in Startup Stadium? I came to Taiwan in 2005 to teach English, like most people, for a year, and I just never went back home. I did also teach for the Princeton Review for several years, and after I became a permanent resident, I started freelancing, doing marketing, translation, and other things for startups. And then three years ago, when the government was putting together um, this project for building an international startup hub in Taiwan, I met Anita Huang, who was one of the people putting together this this project. Plan at that time, her and also Amanda Leo were putting in this bid. And after I met Anita, she said, "You know, we need somebody just like you. Can you please join us?" Um, so I've been on board since the very beginning of TSS. We launched in May 2015, and since then, I've taken on more and more responsibility. And this January 2017, I became our general manager. So now I run our programs and operations, and also working on our long-term planning for the future. Sounds like you had a pretty cool experience. Uh, so let's talk about Taiwan Startup Stadium, or TSS. What is it, and what sort of functions does the stadium have for startups? Taiwan Startup Stadium is a government-funded project that is aimed at internationalizing the startup ecosystem within Taiwan. Um, so that's our biggest mission, and we do that in two ways. Um, both inbound and outbound. So inbound, we bring in knowledge and skills that are hard to learn in Taiwan. So for example, we had a um, boot camp called Sell or Die, where we brought in four international sales experts from London, New York, uh, Silicon Valley, and Hong Kong to teach our startup um, members about you know, how to do international sales and business development. So we bring a lot of people in, including mentors as well, corporate partners, investors from all over the world to connect with startups here. The other way we do it is outbound. And outbound includes just general PR, international PR for the Taiwan startup ecosystem to let people around the world know that we're here and that we actually have a really active and strong ecosystem. Despite the fact that you know many people don't know much about Taiwan, we have a long history of you know advanced technology. So Startup Stadium is a government-funded initiative. What other actions is the government taking to support the growth of the startup ecosystem here? So the National Development Council had a three-part plan under the Head Start program in 2014. And they're basically the three main parts of that were deregulation, including the entrepreneur visa, which is now available to foreign founders who want to come to Taiwan. Also, there was a um, funding component. So they invested more than 100 million U.S. dollars into VC firms to invest back into Taiwan. Uh, and then the third component was to build an international startup hub. And basically, 
you know, there wasn't a lot of, there wasn't a prescription for what that was going to look like exactly. But from the very start, we basically launched with very strong partnerships with overseas accelerators, which was is a very important part of um, getting startups into other markets. Uh, we started doing educational programs from the very beginning. Most of our content from the very start and even up until today is in English only. We do very few programs or anything in Chinese because, you know, if you want to go abroad and do business, you're going to have to use English fluently, and the startups don't really get a lot of chance to do that here. There are a few startup incubators here in Taiwan, so which startups do you target to help? Or better way to phrase it, uh, what sets Taiwan Startup Stadium apart from other startup incubators, other than being government-sponsored? The number one thing that sets Taiwan Startup Stadium apart from other organizations that existed before us is that we're entirely focused on internationalizing Taiwan's startup ecosystem. So if startups are only building something for the Taiwan market, then we're really unable to help them very well because they um, they don't have things that our mentors and overseas VCs are looking for, and they won't scale to be big enough to really attract investment. Um, so they need to have a plan to go global from the very start if they want to work with us. Um, we also only work with technology startups, so they need to be building something that um, oh, internet technology specifically. So if it's pure hardware, um, again, that's traditional manufacturing and less of what modern VCs are looking for. They want things that scale and produce data. Um, so IoT products, you know, smart hardware, all of that is okay. And the last thing is that our team itself is extremely diverse. Uh, when we first started, uh, we were 100% female. Uh, we had five women on our team, so our founders and you know our whole staff was female. Now we have doubled in size to 10, um, and we are still, I think, 60% female. Um, but also we are more than half um, international passport holders as well. So I think at least five of our team members were born abroad in other countries, either um, American Taiwanese or Taiwanese American, um, or myself. You know, I'm just plain old white American person. Uh, we have another staff member who is from um, Malaysia via New Zealand. Um, so our team itself comes from a lot of different backgrounds, and that actually makes it a lot easier for us to connect outside of Taiwan. Could you give an example of how you help startups break into international markets or how what startups can expect when they go with you on these international trips? As an example, we have gone to TechCrunch Disrupt San Francisco twice before and we've taken 12 startups with us and that's, you know, all travel expenses and everything is covered and that way they can exhibit in that market. Uh, we've also gone to Rise Conference in Hong Kong, Echelon in Singapore, Slush in Tokyo, and we continue to do that so that the startups that want to go to those markets can meet customers, they can meet investors, media in the countries that they're targeting. And we also train them for those opportunities like very heavily before we go. So this is how you talk to you know American media versus how you might talk to media somewhere in Asia. Or this is what in investors in Silicon Valley are looking for versus investors in Japan. So we prepare startups to kind of get out into the world, and that's the long-term goal is to get these early-stage startups up and running in other markets besides Taiwan. So you mentioned some startup conferences in a few different countries, the U.S., uh, Japan. What are some of the top countries you focus on, and why do you focus on those countries uh, in particular? The top markets that we focus on are 
first and foremost, the U.S. market, and that's mostly because of demand. So right now we have about 101 startup members in our program, and more than half of those are looking at the U.S. market either as their only market. So many of them aren't even selling their products in Taiwan or it is their top you know, one or, or two. And then beyond that, the next most popular markets include Japan, Southeast Asia, and a little bit of China. There's not so much Europe, Australia, South America, Africa, but there are a few startups that are looking at those places. So our mentorship, our programs that we run kind of work proportionally with what the startups need. So that's where we have a lot of mentors and investors from the U.S. But then throughout Asia, we also have quite quite a few. And we also, when we see demand for different markets, then we try to understand them. So recently, for example, there's a lot of startups looking at Vietnam, Thailand, and other places. And so what we're doing right now is making sure that we have the connections there, that we understand those markets a little bit better. It's hard if you don't speak the languages there, it's hard to do research. So it's easier for us to be able to introduce people to startups from those markets. So that way they have kind of the right people to ask for help or do their research before they try to jump into another country. I'm sure you get a lot of requests to join your programs uh, from startups here in Taiwan. What do startups need to do or have uh, specifically to get accepted into a startup stadium program? When startups first come to us, it's usually through our starting lineup program. That's our free membership program for Taiwan startups. Um, In order to join, they have to have their R&D based in Taiwan. At least one co-founder needs to be based in Taiwan. And they also need to have a working prototype or beta that we can actually see. So if they're still at the idea stage, we can't really help them too much. But once they're in the program, they get access to a lot of benefits. So that includes um, corporate perks. We have discounts like um, 10,000 U.S. dollars worth of free credits from Amazon Web Services, or our startups also get access to the Stripe Atlas program, so they can do payment processing through Stripe. Uh, We have a lot of corporate partners. Um, We also have mentors, as I said, from around the world. Um, So whatever mentors are either based in Taiwan or when they're coming to visit Taiwan, or just online through Skype or whatever, they will do one-on-one office hours with our startups. And we also have investor matching. So we keep track every quarter of the progress from every startup. We ask them to submit a report. And we ask them, you know, what's your revenue like (laughs) this quarter? Um, And they're they're pretty honest because they know the more information we have, the more we can help. Uh, So we also ask them, are you fundraising right now? How much money are you trying to raise? And then we're able to use that to connect them with the right investors that are looking for those products. And so they have access to all these different programs. I mean, there's way more than that. Right. But outside of these programs, is there anything you do to help the startups navigate the culture of the target market? I remember back when I was working in finance in the States, uh, the sales team would be trained on the do's and don'ts of the cu- of cultures outside of their own, like Japanese culture or Chinese culture, Taiwanese culture, uh, how to take and receive business cards, when to sit, who to talk to, how to talk to them, uh, so they wouldn't, you know, with it, so they wouldn't insult the client, uh, so and they could interact with them better. Does TSS provide anything like that? Uh, we once did a whiskey tasting workshop. Um, which is quite sounds quite unusual, but actually because a lot of deals are done through networking and drinks and things, um, we had a whiskey expert. You know, here's how you can talk about it and have kind of a casual conversation about whiskey. Um, so we try to incorporate some things that are a little bit less obvious. But for startups here, where the networking culture is a little bit different from how it is in other places, um, these things are quite helpful. 
So continuing the cultural differences trend, is there anything you'd change about the culture here or anything else here, uh, government regulations, schooling, economic policies, that you think would help the development of the Taiwan startup ecosystem? If I could change anything about Taiwan in general that could help the startup ecosystem, I think it would start very early with education. And the reasoning for that is that, you know, I grew up in the U.S., and through both school and after-school activities, I had so much exposure to business and sales. You know, I was a Girl Scout. I sold Girl Scout cookies. But in school, we also had to do fundraisers all the time. We had all these activities that taught us about entrepreneurship that weren't directed at that. It's just that they happened to teach us through the process. And in Taiwan, I've been here for almost 12 years now. I have never once had somebody ask me to buy something for their child's fundraiser, ever. I've never had somebody say, can you buy a candy bar for my, my son's like fundraiser or something? It's just not a thing that happens in Taiwan. And so kids don't get this benefit of getting exposed to maybe some skills that they don't normally learn. So education overall in Taiwan is very much focused on subjects without integrating. So again, as, as an American kid, you know, you do a lot of group work, you do a lot of presentations, um, you do a lot of activities that are designed to integrate a lot of skills. And, but in Taiwan, I think it's, it's a lot more focused, you know, focus on just this subject and memorize it. Um, so there's not as much critical thinking and not as much um, development towards life skills that will help you in your career when you get older. Um, I didn't appreciate this until the last couple of years, and I realized, like, oh, my education actually prepared me really well, even though that's not, you know, I didn't realize it at the time. That's a good one. The education system in the U.S. doesn't really rank well when compared to other countries. I think it came something like 36th in 2016 or something like that. Um, so it's interesting to hear you think that it prepared you well for life after school. Uh, how do you think the schooling here translates to the workplace or life after school? And how do you think that affects the startup workplace too or the startup ecosystem here? One of the things that hurts startups in general is this like top-down culture overall. So when you're a kid, you listen to your parents. When you're in school, you listen to the teacher. When you go to, um, to your career, you listen to your boss and you don't talk back. And in the U.S., and this is also for me, it can, it's made it difficult for me sometimes to work in Taiwan because I always have opinions and I want to say them and I grew up in a culture where that's okay. But in Taiwan, people um, don't actually raise issues because um, they don't want to disagree or go against someone above them. And that means a lot of bad decisions get made because the people below, even if they recognize it, they don't raise the issue. And I think that works in business, it works in government, it works in education, that you know um, people aren't empowered to kind of speak up. So then once people go into startups, um, a lot of startups don't really know how to manage a culture that is designed for innovation. It's not like you know corporate culture where somebody at the top tells you what to do and then you just listen and you do it that especially when you're very small, you only have three to five people on your team, everyone needs to have an opinion that counts. Everyone needs to feel confident that if they disagree, that they can say that without fear and that the other people will be open to listening to it. And it's not criticism. It's you're working together to find a better solution. Um, but that all from childhood all the way into adulthood in Taiwan, it's, you know, people even, you know, even our own team, um, sometimes it's tough to get people to say what they really, really think. A big thank you to Holly Harrington, 
GM of Taiwan Startup Stadium, for taking time out of her busy day to speak with me. And thank you for listening. This has been Alex Lewis for Taiwan Talk.